Irish NFL show, uh, continue our recap of all the divisions across the NFL, turning our attentions to the AFC, a packed conference. And in this episode, we're going to focus on the AFC West. And uh, I suppose no better place to start than the team that finished bottom of the division last year, and that is Collins Denver Broncos. I was reflecting on the West column and I was thinking, what's the football equivalent to this division? Because this time last year, this was the group of death that the, you, you always hear about, the European Championships, the World Cups. You know, last year, they're suggesting that Russell Wilson's going to, you know, prevail in a Super Bowl run with the Broncos. There was talk about the Raiders and how they were coming off a playoff season. You've got the Chiefs, who are slightly underrated going into last season. And the Chargers, of course, who had that really difficult treat in the playoffs. But we are going to start with your Broncos. Sean Payton is a new head coach. Vance Joseph is back as your defensive coordinator. Jaya Lombardi comes in from the Chargers, having another difficult ending as offensive coordinator there. In terms of the managerial structure in which he's put in place, are you happy what's happened and how things have transpired over the past few months? Um, with some of it, yeah, but not with not on the defensive side of the ball. I think there's a huge downgrade there from Gio Evero, uh, who's widely considered um, a, a young, a brilliant young mind. And I think Frank Wright will be absolutely delighted. We talked about that previously. Um, I, I'm not a, a fan of Vance Joseph, be it as a head coach or as a defensive coordinator. He has failed to ever have a, a team in the top 10 Um he talks in best defenses. Uh, he knocks on the door a couple of times, but um, there are other seasons where his defenses are, are shocking. Um, so I think that is um, a, a downgrade, but where where we cannot be worse. And um, so, sorry, Connor, but ultimately the the Bears over the, the past probably six, seven, eight years are probably a team that you kind of look at and go, who offensively they were they were shocking like they were really bad, and then you look at the Broncos and the Broncos since 2015 have scored fewer points uh, than the Bears, uh, which tells you just how bad. I mean, essentially what you're looking at is the Broncos, the Bears, and the Jets are kind of in the the bottom tier, um, and all all three with things surely looking a little bit better um, this year. Joe Lombardi probably makes a lot of sense to me, even though when we come to talk to the Chargers, I'll talk about how ineffective he was there. But for Russell Wilson and with Sean Payton as head coach, I think it will be somewhat different. You talk, you know, um, Brandon Staley is a defensive guy. Sean Payton, they're going to be running his system. And ultimately, this is the year that Russ has to have a better year. He can't have a worse year. You know, it, it, um, I, I constantly reference Jared Manley Hopkins, no worse, there is none. Um, but I, I don't believe it's possible for Russell Wilson to be worse than he was last year. How big a jump he takes, that's the question, because the Broncos are paying him huge money. But what we have seen Sean Baton do ultimately is the Broncos are going to run the ball, they're going to run the ball, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to have Russ throw it as few times uh, as possible. He can still throw a nice... A deep ball. Uh, some of the stats that have come out this week uh, show that, that that is possible. But ultimately, they're not going to want him to to do that all too often. This is uh, a different sort of football. And the it, it feels, obviously, and with Sean Payton this offseason, it's a totally different vibe to the Broncos have had as head coach uh, ever since Gary Kubiak left the, the building. Um, so on paper... It's an improvement, 
but how big an improvement? Well, that remains to be seen. Connor, Connor touches on the influence of Sean Payton there, and obviously we've seen how strong he was a head coach in New Orleans, but there's one uh, of his opening press conference in which he was challenged and questioned around Russell Winston, and we write about all the stories last year, Russell Wilson had certain people in, in the organization that, the, you know, not necessarily related to the coaching staff, and Sean Payton quickly came out and put an end to that, saying the only people who will be in here are my people. Um, is it, when you look at this hire initially, did you think it was hard to correct Russell Wilson and bring him back to what we saw in Seattle, or was it more the knowledge of a head coach with Sean Payton, who has Super Bowl experience, both winning, winning one, and obviously being on coaching staff, so Super Bowls? Well, I was just going to say, it's not so much, I mean, partly obviously to correct what happened with Russ last season, but also to correct what happened with Nathaniel Hackett, who has had a disastrous first year as, as a head coach and is, is now the man who's going to turn the Jets into, into Super Bowl contenders if he gets that Aaron Rodgers-led offense going, which, we, which we'll talk about in a preview show to come. But um, that disaster of last season and you know it's good to know that the Bears are the benchmark for anemic offensive play and I, I can't even argue that point because it's absolutely true but that disaster was very much attached to Russell Wilson in in the popular imagination and, and it's easier to do it's very easy to do that because of the you know the personality issues because of some of the kind of ill-judged public statements because of some of his kind of quirky antics which naturally tend to attract attention but Hackett had an absolute disaster. And it's interesting that Colin calls out Ejiro Evero as, as, as being kind of a strange move. Like it's, it, he goes to the Panthers, make, makes a, a lateral move. It's not like he was hired away for a, for a head coaching job, job. They were happy to release him from his contract. And Peyton goes after Vance Joseph as the guy. I mean, that Denver defense last year was, was top 10 in most statistical categories, which is some achievement when you cannot move the ball at all on offense you know we talk about complementary football nothing shows up hard work on the defensive side of the ball than when your offense can't get anything done and you know you're you're running tired you're playing way too many snaps and it eventually caught up on them obviously they got shellacked by the rams of all teams on christmas day gave up 51 points but for the most part like they've one of the best pass defenses in the nfl they were sometimes caught out on on the run josh jacobs caused some particular problems again i think they gave up 200 yard gains gains to him last year which is not easily done you don't often see the same guy gash you for for 100 yards twice uh, it's tough when, when, it, when it happens in your division but that that is what happened to the broncos last year but overall they were really stout on that side of the ball and that i thought that was a very strange decision and kind of you were wondering about peyton's judgment there if you were going to let that guy go you'd want to have like a big name coming in to make a difference so, you know, both the coordinators there, as Colin has rightly called out, are question marks for me. Um, the Chargers seemed only too delighted to welcome Kellen Moore in the door and see him as very much an upgrade on Joe Lombardi, who, in their view, couldn't get the best out of Justin Herbert and, and live up to the potential of what they've got on offense. I know we, we, we'll, we'll talk about them um, shortly, but it, it does seem like, it, strangely enough, apart from the, the, the massive head coaching upgrade, the two coordinator positions seem to be downgrades. Now, that all, all said, last off season, myself and, and, and many other people were saying, you drop Russell Wilson into what they've already got, and well, that's potentially a Super Bowl contender. We'll see how it all goes. And obviously, we were proved in the main disastrously wrong um, because of what transpired and, and that Hackett just couldn't couldn't deal with, with, with the, the head coaching responsibility. Again, you know, we talked about this on a previous show, underlining that point about taking a risk on guys who haven't actually called plays before and are relying on somebody else to do it for them. It's a big step up when, when you've got to do that. But they still have an awful lot of pieces in the right place in what is, to be fair, 
a beast of a division. But I think the knock on Wilson when he went from the Seahawks, if, if you were prepared to read the tea leaves on what the Seahawks were saying and, that, and the leaks that were coming out of the camp at the time was, Russell won't listen to Pete Carroll. Russell won't make the transition that's necessary considering the mobility he's lost and that he's not the Russell Wilson of, of five or six years ago. Um, he's not going to be able to get quickly off platform and make uh, and scramble and make the kind of throws that he used to make, you know, and, and, and adjust on the fly. So he's got to be more disciplined. He's got to adjust to being more of a pocket passer. And he didn't seem to be able to make the mental shift to doing that. Um, now, if Pete Carroll couldn't get that out of him, is Sean Payton the man to do it? Maybe last year's experience for Russell was a chastening one and maybe he's going to be prepared to listen and going to be prepared to make the changes to his games that are going to be necessary. Um, but that then brings you back to what's Joe Lombardi going to get out of him? I mean, may- maybe what they were looking for, ironically, to your point, Colm, is a less explosive offense, and in-, in which case maybe Joe Lombardi is exactly the right pick. Peyton, let's not forget, was managed was was able to do do it get it done with the ghost of Drew Brees largely. I mean, they weren't too far off getting to two Super Bowls, and and you know were were absolutely shafted by some of the worst refereeing calls, and in one case, non calls that 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 we've ever seen. Um. So there's every reason to expect that he's still got a little bit of juice in the tank himself. And, you know, we'll see a better approximation of what we expected to see from Russell and the, and the Broncos offense last year. But actually, funnily enough, it, it then falls to me as to whether they'll they'll stack up to where they need to be on the defensive side of the ball. And that, strangely, is, is actually where I have the, have the worry, given that Vance has not been known for turning out uh, uh, championship caliber defenses. Callum, I have a final question on their free agency moves, but you might have a quick point to make before that. Um, I just um, Connor says that it's um, it, it's difficult for a, a running back to go two hundred yards. Uh, not against the Broncos, Connor. Uh, I've seen Isaiah Crowell do it uh, for the the Jets uh, back in twenty eighteen. Todd Gurley also put uh, two hundred on us that same season. Um, that Va- was Vance Joseph uh, era, um, and uh, so um, you know uh, Leonard Fournette did it, and and I've seen tight ends go off. Um, so it, the Broncos have a terrible uh, record in terms of allowing that, um, and um, the the piece like the Everall piece. I think this is one of those pieces where there's more to it than meets the eye, and I think that is. Um, that's a guy who probably was willing to speak his mind um, and, and point to factors that at least that the rumor would have you believe that he highlighted a number of issues last year and, and kind of um, the decision may have been made from even above uh, Sean Payton's um, pay, pay grade a, as such. Um, but it is, um, yeah, it's a, an interesting one uh, none, nonetheless. I was frantically looking at the, uh, the the projected Justin Fields rushing yards when the Bears play Broncos on the 23rd of October. That could be a good day for him. Colin, my, my final question on the Broncos is around free agency because they went very aggressive on the opening day of free agency and I think it caught a lot of Broncos fans by surprise. In particular on the offensive line of bringing in Powers and McGlinchey and you did kind of call out throughout the course of the season when we were discussing Broncos games whereas Russell Wilson was having a difficult time and his, his play was was off putting compared to what we see in Seattle. The offensive line was wasn't working whatsoever. And um, are we put are we, are we in a situation where essentially they're doing everything their utmost to make sure there's no more excuses that if it doesn't work out this year, they can transition away from from uh, from Russellism because they've done their utmost to put an offensive line in place. A head coach that should be able to get the best out of them. Uh, will he still be the quarterback in twelve months' time? 
that's the big question. I think they have they are doing everything because they, they couldn't move on this year because the, the cap hit was going to be too much. Um, and, and I do think kind of to to build on what Connor was saying, I do think that's part of why Joe Lombardi was brought in. He is very experienced. I do, I do think they want Russ to have a say in the offense, essentially. And I think the chasing experience is everyone saw it play out. Like the Broncos were on prime time so many times last year, right? Russell Wilson was a, a laughing stock. Like he ended up having to stop using the catchphrase and move, moving away from it, right? Because it, it became a thing on Saturday Night Live. It just became a catchphrase everywhere. And you saw his own defense having a go at him. So I do think he has to be chasing because if it doesn't work, Russ is gone. Like they'll just have to eat um, on, on that. And so they have brought the the guys in. The, the offensive line has been um, just a, a joke for the Broncos over so so many years. And so, I, but they brought in guys particularly strong in the run game. And so that's why I think as well, you look, they, they brought in a blocking tight end, got a good pass catching tight end in, in Greg Dulcich. I, I don't know. I think that that is the, one of the biggest questions going into this uh, into new season, not just for the Broncos, but for the NFL at large, because Russ has been such a, a huge feature of it. But he has to take a significant step because they're paying him huge money and um, right now, you know, he he was an albatross around. And Connor is is right that it wasn't all of us. The Hackett piece is there. But you could move on from Hackett and not have to worry about paying uh, him off. But Russ, that's the, the issue. It wasn't it wasn't the trade. It was the contract. I'll keep going back to that. That is the piece that I'm sure George Payton wishes he could have a duo over on. Interesting times ahead, um, week one, um, Raiders. And we're going to talk about the Raiders now. So the Broncos are home to the Raiders in week one, which is always a, a fascinating game. And Connor, I'll come to you for us. I mean, you could argue the Raiders in, in, are in very much a kind of similar spiral or situation to the Broncos in terms of what the expectations were last year. I mean, they just come off a playoff defeat the season previous in the wildcard game to the Bengals, who happened to go on to the Super Bowl. Derek Carr is, is gone. The year is ended. Josh McDaniels is had a difficult time. I mean, even on the show last year, Colin kind of questioned whether he was the right man to take over. Bear in mind the experience of what he saw when he was in Denver. And people kind of said, no, 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 he's learned his mistakes from his time there. He's going to correct that. He's going to be a very different head coach. But we did see similarities to what we saw in Denver last year. And I was looking at some of the acquisitions during during the offseason. It's so strange because they've gone so aggressive on wide receivers. And they brought in Jacoby Myers and uh, Mims from, sorry, Sim from, Washington, Philip Dorsett. I wouldn't I wouldn't say some of these guys are journeymen, but no, essentially marquee players come in on the offense. Austin Hooper, again, another tight end that's been quite effective throughout the course of his career. We, talk, we touched on the Waller trade moving away from him. It seems like they're moving in a very different direction. And then there's the Jimmy Garoppolo signing with the waiver around the injury concerns. Where do you put all this together? They look every bit of the team that are just going to be spinning the wheels in the mud this year. Like, I, I just can't see them making any progress based on, on, on where they were last year. You know, as as some wag put it on Twitter, they traded Derek Carr for handsome Derek Carr. Like, it, it doesn't it doesn't really smack of upgrade, does it? Does it other than the Jimmy G will look even better on the posters with his smiling, handsome visage, you know? Like, is Jimmy Garoppolo the 
poster boy for unconscious bias. Like, you know, if you read Moneyball, this is exactly the sort of thing that they say, you know, old, old school pro scouts look at people who look like, quote unquote, in, in their imaginings, football players. And Jimmy G looks like the straight from central casting quarterback. And, and yet it's it's also meh when you get on the field. And, and again, you know, you mentioned the Waller trade, but if you were looking to build an offense around the things that Jimmy G does well, you would think Waller is exactly the kind of player that you'd want to keep, that you'd, you'd want to have that there in the way that he had, you know, Kittle in San Francisco. Um, reuniting him with Josh McDaniels, obviously they they made the, the beginnings of what looked like a, a little bit of magic together during their time with the Patriots, but it's a real it's a real reach to imagine that it's going to catch fire for them this season. I mean, you know, you, you've, you've still got Devontae Adams, so that's not the worst thing to have to, to throw the ball to. I mean, it, it seems like I could throw the ball to Devontae Adams and he'd still find a way to catch it and go off for over a thousand yards. He's just absolutely amazing. And, and, and if anything, probably doesn't quite get the respect that he deserves for what he did last year in such a mediocre offense. He was just outrageous. I mean, we'd seen him do it with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball, but you know, even with as poor a season as Carr had last year, he still absolutely went off. You know, Josh Jacobs is is, is a stud running back. So it's not like, to your point, Brian, they don't have weapons. Um, but that defense was so poor last year as well. I think they ranked, you know, overall... 30th or 31st in 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 in, in, def, in defensive or DVOA so there it, it, it's 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 a real uphill battle for them this year and I, I honestly can't see it working out any better than it did the year before if anything you you would actually look for them to regress from where they are Colin I just wanted to touch on two of the draft picks actually because you are very high throughout the course of the weeks leading up to draft on Terry Wilson and you did suggest even in your own mock draft that he could land to the Raiders you know, at the seventh pick, he looks like a really serious player. I know we're kind of, again, we're looking at coverage of of college that doesn't necessarily always transition to the NFL, but he looks like the kind of player that could suit him and have him work, work in, and play alongside Crosby and a second player I want to throw in. I suppose the reason, I suppose when they, t- they took the Waller trade, like they seem to always have their eye on a tight end and Myers from Notre Dame drops to the second round and everybody argued that he should have been gone as the first tight end in the opening round. I mean, they brought in two players that was we look at what they brought in in free agency and players that have been re-signed could it be the draft players that kind of step up to you and supposed to put the team back on the map yeah like i really like those those two it, in so much as with the caveat you don't know how guys are going to transition in the league but i actually think those are two really really good um players that um you know you, you can't fault the pick um when when it's made we all we we love to kind of go with uh, hindsight uh, in a, in a few years, but I, I, as I sit here today, I look at it and I go, yeah, those are two kind of home run picks that make a lot of sense for what they need. Um, and but the the after that they they moved up in the the draft after that twice, and like the whole thing with the Raiders is they have no money, right? They they're one of the teams who are now suffering because the you know the, the the Waltons are in the league, the David Teppers are in the, the league, the billionaires ha- have arrived and, and Mark Davis doesn't have that sort of available cash to move things around. I mean, that's ultimately why they didn't sack Josh McDaniels last year. So they had to do something else and they made Carr the, the fall guy and moved off of him. And I have been a pretty vocal in my criticism of uh, Derek Carr, forgive me, Stephen O'Rourke. But one of the things that Derek Carr has in abundance is leadership. 
and he's the one that held that franchise together in a season where um you know Gruden's racist emails emerged um and uh, you know their um rookie wide receiver uh, was in a, a fatal car crash um Henry Ruggs is very liked I think he that they they're negotiating a plea deal he may do do well do time for for that and that was Derek Carr holding that all together and they have, have moved on from that. And, and I think there's kind of merit to what Connor is saying. Um, the, the, the power of beauty. Um, beautiful babies get um, picked up more. Beautiful uh, people are more likely to be found not guilty by, by a jury. And be- beautiful quarterbacks will continue to get uh, contracts around the, the league despite their uh, relative performance. They're, they make no sense in a lot of ways. Brian, they never have the the Raiders. They they could surprise. I don't think they will, though. I think they've downgraded um, at the quarterback position. But one of the things that I will say to for Josh McDaniels, and I don't have many nice things to say about him, he didn't draft terribly in Denver. A couple of, of the some of the picks that he made, yeah, um, were were shocking, and obviously the the Jay Cutler and Tim Tebow uh, debacle. But there were some other picks that, that he made that really set, um, were you know made a huge difference to the Broncos uh, after he moved moved on and uh, John Fox came in. So to me, I wouldn't be surprised to see Wilson and Mayer um, be good players for the Raiders. But it might not be in 2023, and it might not be with Josh McDaniels as head coach if Mark, uh, Mark Davis could look down the back of the couch and fire the money to pay off the contract, because that's the, a point probably worth highlighting to, to people. Players get cut and get X, well, X amount that, that's guaranteed and, and various. Coaches' contracts are fully guaranteed, right? So you get fired as a head coach. So you get all of your money, and they have to pony that, that up immediately. Uh, so that is uh, something to, um, you know, to, to bear it in mind uh, ar- around why uh, they haven't moved on from Joshua Daniels. Hoping against hope, I think that is, uh, is different in 2023. Connor, I, I led it to that draft question because I haven't, I looked at the list the other day. If you look at the, the number one picks over maybe the course of the last eight to nine years, I think there's only one player of the first round remaining on, the, on their, their roster. Like Essentially, it's been a, nearly a bust every year and, and generally bust because of off the field stuff more so than the you know the production on on the field. I mean Ziegler is joined to the hip essentially with McDaniels. Like, are we going to see a complete refresh if, if they get off to a bad start or is it a case of see how this season goes? I wonder what the expectation is as a Raiders fan because we know quite a few and Collins referred to Steve O'Rourke when the Jimmy G free agency acquisition was made there was a lot of disgruntlement and even more so when they saw the, the nature of the contract in terms of what they were giving up to. It also depends on what's around you, and I, I know that's that's the, the the same for every team. Like the, the West is a very difficult division to come out of. So, what qualifies as a creditable result with everything they've got around them? Like if they if they finish third behind the the, the Chiefs and the and the Chargers and just fail to make the playoffs, and um, if if they make a if they make it a battle of it and just don't quite get there, and you know there's the prospect of upgrading and and going again the next season. Is is that enough? Um, I think it might be <laughs> given where the ownership is, right? Um, because I'm 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 not seeing how they get much beyond that. To be perfectly honest with you, and surely they must know that themselves. 
another team with a lot to live up to this season in, in that in this division. We'll move on to the the Chargers, the team who did make the playoffs and then found a way to completely implode. It kind of reminded me of that. Um, I'm showing me age here, but that Houston Oilers Buffalo Bills uh, playoff game all those years ago when uh, Frank Reich led the Bills back from, from a, a crazy uh, deficit and it was similar enough in the playoff game against the Jags and I'm going to go for us on this one because I've shown on this show over the course of the last like, two years now got him my love for Brandon Staley uh, well there isn't any and I was quite surprised that he found a way to navigate his position and, and keep hold of his job after the playoff game and as we touched on uh, Joe Lombardi seemed to be the far guy and there was a lot of play calling in that game in particular, when they were leading, where they were throwing the ball when it wasn't necessary, they should have been running the ball and running the clock and keeping the Jags' offense off the field. But I suppose let's not get into the specifics of one game. I've referred to what they've done in terms of during the offseason. They look at what they brought in acquisitions, and they haven't done a lot because, again, they were kind of where they are in the cap. Eric Kendrick's linebackers coming from the Vikings, who, in fairness, has been a very serviceable linebacker throughout the course of the years. And they brought in Williams from the Giants, a defensive tackle, who, in his own right, can, can be serviceable over the course of the season. He did really well for the Giants last year. But that's about the extent of it. And like the main storyline this offseason obviously was the coordinator situation and Austin Eckler looking for a trade, but it seemed like he was only kind of trying to make a move to, to finally get the contract, which he felt he deserved. Um, Colin, I'll start with you on the charges. I mean, are, is, it, is, it, is it a status quo situation in terms of they feel they've got the players around them and they've gone wide receiver this year in the first round of the draft, as opposed to the last couple of years where they've looked to protect Herbert. They're trying to give him more players and to be in a position to have an aggressive offense was defense last year, and it's supposed to be a defensive-minded head coach. I read a quote last week: "If Brandon Staley can get out of the way of his own management, they should be fine." What your thoughts uh, on the situation? Yeah, like, and and I think sometimes, like, I, I think Staley's obviously he's very, very bright, right? You hear that when he when he speaks, but he, he is very inexperienced, and um. I, I think a lot of this year and ultimately how far the, the Chargers go depend on, on two things. One, injuries, because it's the Chargers. And, and we know that they are blighted uh, year in, year out um, by, uh, by, by injury. Um, the, the other, well, the, the other asterisk is probably what way can the Chargers charger it up? Um, you know, to 2010 will it forever be number one offense, number one defense, 32nd on special teams. And, uh, oops, but it's all about Herbert, right? And essentially, um, Connor said earlier, they were delighted to, to show Lombardi the, the door and they were because, um, Shane Steichen had worked with Herbert in year one. Herbert just looked phenomenal. Now, Joe Lombardi isn't a guy who has a, is super aggressive, likes it, it or takes a, lots and lots of chances. Um, also, I guess Herbert was playing hurt for some of last year. We saw him take that shot against the, the Chiefs and with the, the broken ribs, and he played through it. So we know he's super tough, but it's going to be interesting to to see with, with Kellen Moore because Mike McCarthy's comments about Kellen Moore when Kellen Moore left, I should be music to the ears of the the Chargers and to, to Justin Herbert. Mike said, um, "I I I uh, why did why did was Kellen Don because we disagreed. He wants to light up the scoreboard and I want to run the damn football." Um, well, uh, if you have a, a quarterback with the quality of Justin Herbert, I think you want to light up the the scoreboard. And I I think it'll be interesting to, to see. I keep going back to it. I've referred to it a few times, but I think it makes sense to look at Matthew Stafford and to look at the difference that 
um, offensive coordinators had on Matthew Stafford's career and his yards um, per per attempt. And I, I think that's where Kellen Moore could make a, a real difference. They have, even Herbert, they have an absolutely incredible quarterback. They have some great pieces on defense, but they have to, they have to stop being. I mean, they in, like if you're wanting, they are Spurs. I mean, that's who the Chargers are. And and do you trust them? Do you believe in them? I mean, it is ultimately. It, there's a feeling that, you know, and I like them, and I like lots of the players. But there is a feeling. It's a bit like when Ferguson famously went into the United dressing room and said, "Lads, it's Spurs." And you can imagine Doug Pedersen going into the Jags locker room and we know from Peyton Manning you don't make adjustments at halftime, but he just walks in and just says, that's, it's the Chargers. Um, and and so, do you, do you believe in them? Do you trust them? Like, I, the Broncos have been so bad for so long and yet they've been able to bully the, the Chargers. So I think that is something that the Chargers have to, to change as well because teams have been able to to bully them and that has been an issue for them there are big big questions but the one thing that's probably a blessed relief for Chargers fans is nobody's talking about them winning the offseason and my goodness were they offseason champions for probably seven of the past 10 years so I think they'll be delighted that that um, you know uh, monkeyer is no longer uh, attached to them Connor, when we did our wildcard uh, picks for the for that weekend, Connor just reminded me. I think his final line on this game was, "They're too sporty for me. I'll go with the Jags." And uh, not, so, do you buy? Do you buy into the, the Chargers? Do you do you believe that this potentially? And Connor has just touched on they were the, they were the champions of the offseason last year. That's slowly starting to come back a little bit, Connor. Well, I listened to a couple of podcasts this week, and uh, the question was, which teams do they expect to make a huge upward turn based on what they did last year? And the Chargers are seems to be a team that's. In hot commodity in terms of keeps coming up. Where are you on this Chargers team? Do you do you buy into the hype? And, well, you can buy into the Herbert hype. It's whether you have the players around and ultimately have the players to dig out difficult games and wins. Like Column, I kind of want to like them and that there's a lot about them to like. And yet you can't deny the evidence of everything you've ever seen in your NFL watching history either, which is that they just find new ways to throw away promising situations and, and, and lose time and time again. Like that last two seasons for Staley have been defined by missing uh, the playoffs two seasons ago when they seemed like they were absolutely on a roll and you know they they, they found a way to to stumble over the past over the last couple of fences and and rule themselves out and then by that horrific collapse last year which just showed so many things that you do not want to see in your team I mean even a star player like Joey Bosa losing it the way he did um it, it's shocking to watch you know unsportsmanlike conduct penalty Peterson goes for two points and they lose the game by one it like, certainly wasn't all on Bosa but when even the guys who you're expecting to lead in those difficult moments are, are, are losing it what does that tell you about what what it's what it's like behind the scenes you know they're just unable to hang tough the last thing you want to see in in, in your football team um having said all that we don't know really how much that injury hampered Justin Herbert, you know, him being as tough as he is. And, you know, he's, he's so big and, and, and such a specimen that, you know, when he says he's shaking something like that off, you kind of want to believe that, you know, he's, he's pretty much I- I- impervious to damage, but that has got to have restricted him greatly. And, and to be fair to Joe Lombardi, after all we said, probably affected the play calling too. And what was or wasn't on the table. Um, 
But as you called out rightly, Brian, when you have Austin Eckler, why are you not running the leather off the ball from 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 that situation? Like Sky averaged nineteen touchdowns, averaged nineteen touchdowns over the past two seasons. He's 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 exactly the kind of guy that you want grinding it up and when you have a big lead as they did. But you know, on every every level, the play calling, Brandon Staley's weird logic about you know he, he's the analytics guy and yet he seems to inevitably make the wrong moves in the wrong situations although speaking of flawed logic like i love that that mike mccarthy line about kellen moore lighting up the scoreboard because you know you see how all those teams that light up the scoreboard never win anything like these pass heavy offenses like over oh, the chiefs or the Bengals or the bills or or the eagles you want you want to light up the scoreboard i'm, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to to, to take that in uh in in los angeles and i think you know, it's the corollary of what we were saying with the Broncos. I think that's an upgrade at, at OC, and I'm kind of excited to see what Kellen Moore does to Justin Herbert. Got an awful lot out of Dak Prescott on that on that Cowboys offense, whatever Mike McCarthy will say. And I think McCarthy's not really fooling anyone there. Kellen Moore is a scapegoat for his failings. Um, now, by the same token, is he going to be enough to make up for what we've seen, as you call out, Brian, in terms of Brandon Staley's failings? And uh, I kind of have a soft spot for Staley. He, he certainly was a loyal servant with, with Chicago and played his part in uh, in that you know fearsome Vic Fangio defense which was probably a championship caliber defense until we drafted Mitch Trubisky and, and threw away that chance but um I, I I find it hard to 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 like I can see them finishing second in the division as we were saying I can see them potentially making the playoffs Herbert is a guy that you you know you just love see see playing at his best and I, I'm kind of excited to see what Kellen Moore can do with them and they do have you know an awful lot of exciting players on on offense and, and they, they could light it up and they could surprise us. So, you know, as you say, they'll probably be delighted that nobody's really talking about them in those terms. There's a path out of the division and there's a path to the playoffs, but culturally, I wonder what's going on in, in that locker room. I wonder if Staley is the leader they need. I seriously doubt it. Uh, and everything that we saw last season would be would would, would lead me to, 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 to speculate to the downside as to where they'll go if they do make it to the postseason. Connor gave him away one of his uh, wildcard picks in in June <clears throat> ahead of our pre- uh, season preview show later in the summer. Um, we'll close out with the the, the AFC champions, the, the Super Bowl champions. You go to some sporting events, Colin, over the course of your time, whether it's football, whether it's Gaelic sports, whatever, and you walk away from the game and you say, that really truly was a fabulous event to be at because you get to see a player with the qualities of, of Patrick Mahomes and what we saw from him in the Super Bowl. He goes in a halftime, 10 points down, Looks like he's carrying that injury again, yet he finds a way to come back. And you've always said, and I think last year when we were doing our season preview, I don't think everybody picked the Chiefs to win the division at the time, and you said should never count against a team that has Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Like I think the, the opening question has to be, are they going to run it back? Because come September, the general consensus will be they're going to be up there, they're going to be looking against the Bengals, the Chargers, and all these various different teams winning the AFC. But the reality is come January next season, we would expect again to see the Chiefs certainly in the in the running, if not in the AFC Championship game, to be coming back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, I would expect them to to be there, or they, I think there are there effects, right? Because for me, you have Andy Reid, you have Bash Mahomes. Okay, you have the I I believe the the best head coach in the game, and you have the best quarterback in the game, and those are the two most important things you could possibly have. Now, the others are, that's not to, to say there aren't other uh, extremely talented head coaches and quarterbacks. Of course there are. And there are quite, there will be questions, right? Um, word today as we're recording this, that Chris Jones 
in May, uh, you know, well sit out at least the, this mandatory mini camp uh, because he wants to to get the the contract done. Um, you know, the, the Frank Clark has obviously signed for the Broncos. Uh, to to me, I get why the Chiefs have moved off them. They they used the first round pick uh, this year on an edge. Carol uh, Aftis came in last year. You have to make room for those guys to grow. Will will they grow into it? That's t- to be seen. And Frank Clark did make a difference for them in the playoffs last year. But I understand them making the decision that they're making. They, you know, I, for for them, the enemy has obviously moved on. And we talked about that when we talked about Washington. Um, but it always kind of felt, and we know that Matt Derrick has talked about this, Brian, from Chiefs Digest, that um, Nagy was, and Connor can I'll show you whether it's a Rice smile, um, but Andy Reid has a, has a very soft spot for Matt Nagy. And Nagy was always um, in, you know, or at least the, the thinking amongst maybe the the Chiefs media is that Matt Nagy was always considered the heir apparent. Uh, now, I imagine the uh, the Hunt family may have looked at what happened in Chicago and uh, may may have question marks. But for for the Chiefs, I can't. It's uh, it's difficult for me to imagine that they will miss a beat with the enemy moving on because Nagy knows Mahomes. He's they've been there, done that. He's back in the fold. Uh, so, yeah, there are there are question marks. There are questions that in on on the defense and particularly like last year, Chris Jones was immense. Right, they they went away from the nonsense that they had done the year before where they tried playing him outside. They played him through the middle. He played the entirety of the season and he was, he's just, he's a wrecking ball. You know, last year he was because of Aaron Donald's injury and then just the season that the Rams had, he was the most destructive um, defensive tackle in, in the league. But the thing is they probably need him to have another season like that. So they need to get this contract situation sorted out. You have, you have Mahomes, you have Andy Reid, and even though they lost the, the tackles, they replaced them with two solid tackles, and their interior on the O-line is so good as well. I don't see, I don't see how, who, who, who do you put above them? How do you put anyone above them, at least as we sit here in June? Connor, uh, Colin slightly kill my tone there on my question, but I was just going to touch on the point that Wiley left the offensive line, uh, sorry, the, the offensive tackle left in free agency to go to Washington. They lose Orlando Brown to Cincinnati, essentially one of the, their key rivals. They bring in Juwan Taylor from from the Jags, and Collins touched on there. Like we saw a couple of years ago when they lost the Super Bowl to the Bucks, how quickly in that free agency they recognised, we, we need to transition, we need to rebuild this offensive line. I wouldn't go as far as to say that's what they're doing now, but it just seemed to be methodically we have to change the offensive lineup. And it's still pretty little effects in terms of what Mahomes can do with the players around them. Yeah, and look, they they had to play with Mahomes broken up for the for the back half of the playoffs as well. So you know, at, at full power, it's it's an even scarier prospect, and we we sometimes kind of tend to forget that he was so banged up um, over the latter the Super Bowl and, and the latter half of the of the of the championship game. And with all of that said, you really do need the break of the ball, even even if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they could easily have lost that championship game to the Bengals. And maybe some questionable officiating helps them on their way there. I know the Chiefs are the subject of a thousand internet conspiracy theories now. I don't even want to go go near go near that. I mean, 
they won the game fair and square. I don't think there's any two ways about that, but it could easily have gone the other way. It, 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 it's very tight. You know, that roughing the passer call, um, you know, terrible decision um, on, on, on the Cincinnati side um, helped them over the line there. You know, it, it, it's those those small margins that do do make a massive difference and, and the holding call in the, in the Super Bowl as well. So for as good as they are, I wouldn't say it's 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 impossible to look past them because every team needs to, needs the rub of the green on, on the way to winning a Super Bowl. Um, I think it's interesting looking at the the other departures, right? So that I mean they're, they're pretty confident in the wide receiver room they've got there. They obviously would expect Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony to continue um, stepping up because um, they they they'd lost um, Cole Hardman. They let Juju Smith Schuster go as well, um, but you know they they're hardly poorly set on 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 that side in terms of what they have. And um, the Chris Jones situation is interesting, and you know they'll want to resolve that sooner rather than later. I mean, he's not the only person to to hold out from from OTAs and and with the contract situation hanging over his head. So certainly not going to derail the train. Um, but coming out of the AFC is 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 no joke. I mean, the division itself is not to be underestimated. And you know, I'm not sure I'd necessarily be installing them as as runaway favourites. You know, I I actually not that I find it easy to look past them. But I find, I find it easy to see how they might not have come out on top last year, and as a result, then projecting forward, don't necessarily. Th- I don't think they're any weaker than they were uh, in a season in which they won the Super Bowl. But I don't think they're any stronger necessarily. And you know, if you stay still, that's a dangerous place to be in the NFL. Be interesting to see what comes with the secondary. Bearing in mind how, how young that secondary was last year, with the number of rookies that came in over the course of the season. Steve Spagnuolo did a great job defensively. Um, yeah, look, they, start, they open the season as Super Bowl champions against the Lions on that Thursday night. It'll be interesting to see how they get off to a fast start, if they get off to a fast start, and how they can be against a Lions team that are not as expected of. As well, that is our AFC West recap. In our, next, in our next episode, we're going to focus on a team that could potentially challenge them to go to Super Bowl, and that is the Bengals and the AFC North. But for now, Connor, Connor, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Irish NFL Show. We truly appreciate all of our listeners. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever platform you use to listen. It really makes a difference in terms of helping others to find the show. Also, if you want, reach out to us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, or email info at irishnflshow.com. Let us know your thoughts. If you have ideas for guests or a topic you would like us to cover.